Blog Talk Radio. Davida Shinsky, you're listening to Live Without Limits, and we're coming to you on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Today we're going to talk about how you the overlooked methods to beat anxiety. And anxiety, when you are starting a business, can occur because you feel stressed out, because you're overwhelmed by what you're about to take a journey on. Therefore, you need to understand the ways that you can overcome anxiety. And I've read far and wide on tactics to overcome anxiety. This includes books, blogs, my PhD research, and my life coaching practice. There are many good strategies available. I use several myself, especially exercises and mindfulness. But we live in a world full of anxiety, which is only getting worse, and I often wonder what we're missing. I personally spent 15 years running away from anxiety, but my life is very different today. I could not be more content when I think about what has changed. Three things come to mind. Track your language and self-talk. The words that you speak become a house you live in, said Hoppets. Research shows that the language is a vehicle for emotion. As a result, how you think and the language that you use determine how you feel. It is therefore essential to observe what you say, especially what you say to yourself. Negative self-talk, such as arguing, gossiping, complaining, and blaming, most of which we do in our heads, should be avoided at all costs. Words that stop you Taking action should also be avoided. For instance, words such as, I can't, if only, I have to, and I must, should be replaced with proactive words such as, I will, I choose to. Let's look at another way. And I prefer. This practice is empowering, and when you look and you make the switch, even your posture will change. If challenging situations, you should also track the question that you ask yourself. For example, replacing why me with what can I do about this can can instill a sense of strength rather than anxiety. The critical part is taking what you say, especially self-talk, and when it carries negative emotions, replace it immediately. Now, 
In studying transactional analysis, Eric Byrne said that what we do is you have three parts. You have the adult, the parent, and the child. This is the self-talk. Parent says you, you should. The adult says I'm able to. And the child says I want. And remember this, that what happens is as we are children, the people around us will constantly be making remarks to us whether they realize they're being supportive or discouraging or whatever, they do things at sometimes meaningfully because they care about you, but also because they themselves have negative thoughts. I can remember growing up in a home where my mother always told me what I couldn't do. And in my stance, it was always, you're going to tell me what I can't do. It's like, putting a red flag in front of me and daring me to go out there and prove you wrong. And therefore, what happened as I grew older, because I was very independent and they could not deal with my independence, it was always, oh, you're stubborn, you're this, you're that. And, and it's all because I grew up with a disability at a time when society didn't accept people with disabilities as having opportunities. It wasn't until 1977 that you started seeing the laws change as far as the opportunity for an education with people with disabilities. And at that time, I was actually in graduate school. And my mother didn't look at my education as a means to an end for employment. She just looked at it as, hey, this just keeps her busy, out of my hair, and doing something. But for me, it was always the reverse. I looked at my education as the opportunity to get ahead. And maybe that's because when I was constantly being told all those negative things, and at the same time because I was different, simply because I have a disability and I was the only person with a disability in the school. The teachers did not know how to, to adapt to what I was going through because they didn't understand it because there was no such thing as special education at that time. And the kids didn't know how to relate to me simply because they had no experience being around someone with a disability. The ironic things, at that time, the paradigm for women was you either became a teacher or a secretary. And none of them went to college and actually studied education and actually went into special education. And yeah, they, they, they probably had a different attitude about me at that time, but yet I never saw when any of them ever tried to keep in touch with me. And now on Facebook, even though they know who I am, I don't really have any better a relationship with any of them than I did at that time. So here's a situation where I'm being invited and, and being asked to go to a 50th reunion from graduation from high school, and yet I feel like 
there's no reason for me to really go. It's, it entails an expense that I can afford, but at the same time, the only reason I would be going back to Savannah is probably to be going to the cemetery to visit my parents' graves. That's it. There's no real reason for me, and I have no real desire to see these people again. You know, it's it's if you were friends, if you had interacted with them, if you, I I would have a different attitude about it. But the fact that I was always the outsider looking in, and the one that was made the brunt of the jokes, just simply because I was different, it doesn't mean that I should be going back to high school for a reunion. But here's the kicker. What is the importance or understanding of the language and self-talk? That if you're constantly hearing, you can't, you can't, you can't, then what happens is you actually begin to believe that. And there's a book called Games People Play where it's all about the self-talk that you give yourself and the interaction that you have with other people and how you can take and utilize all of that and change it around to make it a a better thing. Because remember, what that is is negative self-talk that you are doing and that you're hearing. One of the things that my younger sister and my mother would always do is they would always talk about everyone else and how much money they had and how they dressed and the things they drove. And and those things never interested me. Harness the power of choice is another thing that affects anxiety. Life is full of challenges, most of which we have no control over. This might sound disheartening, but realizing this is a source of Strength. Why? Because we always have control over how we respond to challenging events, even extremely difficult ones. During his 27-year prison sentence, Nelson Mandela worked under torturous conditions. But instead of letting external circumstances control your behavior, he used meditation and reflective thinking to sharpen his mind. Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl used similar tactics to survive the abject misery of four concentration camps. He lost everything, yet continued to exercise the freedom to control his own inner world. These are extreme examples, but provide powerful demonstrations of our ability to choose. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves, said Viktor Frankl. Next time you're faced with a difficult situation, instead of resisting what has already occurred, which often takes the form of anxiety, accept the facts and the pain will eventually subside. Don't get this confused with giving up. Acceptance isn't passive. It's the first step 
towards corrective action. It's also the opposite to resistance, which only creates more pain by realizing this, you will harness the power of choice and anxiety-inducing events will no longer consume you. When you look at the power of the laws of attraction, what you're talking about is how to change those negative thoughts into positive ones and the exercises that you can do. Look at the affirmations and things that you say. Best way to do that is to write everything down. What I often tell people is look at your, the, the parent in you. Look at the child in you and look at the adult in you because your, your parent says you should. And these are things that you're telling yourself. Write them down. Look at all the negative things that you've said and see how you can change them and turn them around to make them more positive. Because when you control your thoughts, you have the ability to overcome anxiety by sitting down and looking at it this. For instance, if you have a business plan and you want to start a business and you have an end goal, the best way to deal with that is to sit down, write out the plan, then break it down into smaller daily exercises. There's a story that I tell that I heard, and it goes like this. There was a grandfather with his grandson, and he took him out to plant. And the grandson looked at the field and said, I can't do that. And the way the grandfather told him to deal with it was to turn around and put his back to the end of the field and just start planting each row. That way, what he was able to do was see how much he had accomplished instead of how far he had to go to accomplish it. And in doing so, it helped him to begin to understand how he has the control over his life and not to let anyone else decide for you. And how the laws of attraction works is this. The energy that you put out into the universe is what comes back to you. Therefore, if you put out negative energy, then what's going to come back to you but negative energy? If you put out positive energy and make all the right statements and, sh and show self-confidence and believe in yourself and your capabilities, guess what? What's going to come back to you? All of those positive vibes that you see and hear out there. How many times have, have you heard when put yourself in the situation that you want to be in and do this? 
visualize actually reaching your goals. And by visualizing it, reach out and touch every little thing as though it's really there. And that what you're actually doing is retraining your thoughts to believe in your capabilities and your ability to succeed. We have the control to change that mindset, to get out of where we are. And sometimes that means you have to get away from those important people in your life, that are your relatives, because you know what? They're never going to change. But when you change, they are going to constantly try to bring you back to where you were. Therefore, if you want to succeed, you've got to get rid of all of those negative people in your life. The sad part is, for many of us, we so desperately need that reinforcement that we don't see it for what it is, and we don't realize that we can always find other people in our lives that can give us the kind of support and encouragement that we need. Learn to say no. It's only by saying no that you can concentrate on what's important, said Steve Jobs. People-pleasing is exhausting. And saying yes is everything, is a quick ticket to anxiety and overwhelm. You simply don't have time to do everything. And more importantly, you have even less time for what really matters, such as family, friends, and your own mental health. It is therefore crucial that you learn how to say no. The problem is, Saying yes is easy. Saying no is hard. It might be guilt, a sense of obligation, or the fear of missing out. The fact is, we all struggle to say no. So how do you say no? How do you do it gracefully? You could simply say no without explanation. Or if you have a rock-solid reason, could run with that, but declining gracefully, making it non-personal, and showing people that you, that you thought about it are the golden rules and the art of saying no. For example, if I ask a collab- to collaborate on a new project, you can just say thank you for the offer. It sounds like great opportunity, and I'm probably going to regret it. But I'll have to take a pass. I'm overcommitted right now, and I've made it a policy to say no to any new projects until I clear the docs. If you need more guidance on how to say no, check out the brilliant and detailed guide by Marie Furnier. The idea is understanding how to say no. We don't realize the importance of saying no or what it means, but that's part of what creates anxiety simply because when you 
don't know how to say inside it, excuse me, when you don't know how to say no, then you have allowed yourself to become overwhelmed. Here's another thing to think about when it comes to saying no and why that's important to you. For instance, saying no means that you understand this point, that when you work as a team, everyone should have equal equal workload placed on them. And here's another thing to think about, that always take on the amount of responsibility that you know you can handle. Now, if you're the owner of a company it's and you wear all the hats, that's another way of creating anxiety for yourself because you have strengths and you have weaknesses. You have things that you truly enjoy doing while there's other things that you truly don't enjoy doing. And the idea is to be able to delegate them. And the best way to do that is to find someone that has their strengths in areas where it's your weaknesses. Why is that important to understand? Because this way, if their strengths are in areas that are your weaknesses and you delegate to them, that's how you are going to get more of a yes. But when you are on a volunteer basis, always remember, never try to take on more than you can handle. And in essence, what happens is that you tend to be, everyone in the group tends to have the very much similarities. Instead of finding people that alternate and have different personalities. Because remember, there are four pure personality types. There's the dominant personality who feels that they can control the environment. There's the influencer personality that gets along with everyone and can meet and talk at any time at a party and be conducting business, whereas you've got the steadiness personality who's someone that strictly goes by the book and they, they're very inflexible in their behavior patterns. And then you've got the conscientiousness behavior pattern who's someone that they question everything before they make a decision. It, it's when you mix and match all these behavior patterns that you have the creator, the advancer, the refiner, and the enforcer. And how all of these work together is that they work to help each other. That you've got the creator who can come up with all the great ideas, but they really can't put it into action. You've got the advancer that takes the ideas and breaks them down into workable pieces. Then you've got the refiner that literally takes those pieces and refines them more to make them work even better. And then you've got the enforcer that actually puts it into action. 
And when you have a team of people that work together, then that allows you to get more things done without feeling as though you're going to be stressed out over everything and that you can find a way to get it and put it together in a way that it literally all works. There are many known tactics to combat anxiety, yet its hold on society is greater than ever. If the status quo isn't working for you, maybe it's time to try something else. Don't use self-defeating language when you do so. Replace it immediately. Don't allow external events to control your behavior. And when challenged by difficult situations, accept the facts and move on. Focus on what's important and say no to everything else. Do this and I promise you will experience a dramatic shift in levels of stress and anxiety. How to beat anxiety, the self-experiment approach. Not all of these strategies will work for you. Self-experiment to find out what techniques you prefer. Context is important too. You may find that some strategies work in some circumstances, but not in others. Experiment to observe what works best and when. Also, try thinking about the strategies of three categories, behavioral, cognitive, thinking-related, and physical. Aim to find some strategies that appeal to you from every category and think of all the things that you can do to help yourself overcome your anxieties. Remember, it's all in the self-talk that you have with yourself. And think about that self-talk and remember how you have built up the idea that one of the reasons that, that anxiety sits in is this, that because we so much want to be accepted into the group or the clique that we will do and say and accept what the people around us tell us rather than be forward-thinking or individualist. Here's another thing to think about, that today, in today's society, because everything, you're seeing such a paradigm shift that in the past, people talk to each other. But with the advent of technology, what's been happening is that people text. And therefore, what happens is they have difficulty talking to each other because everything is being done in a way that it's, it's very cold and impersonal. And when you interact with each other, you're learning how to relate to each other, how to respect each other, 
have to talk to each other in a way that's encouraging and supportive. We need to take a step back and understand that, yes, technology has made great advances. Technology has improved the lifestyle that we live. It's taking and changed the paradigm of employment, but it's also understanding that you need to understand just how much anxiety that people build up because they don't know how to talk to each other. I'm on Quora, and one of the biggest things that I see that people ask about is how to overcome anxiety of speaking in public. And that's literally because they've never given themselves the opportunity to do so. And you can go to my website, and that website is the number one personalcareercoach.com. And you can take individual and group coaching, and we even have courses on how to overcome and begin to increase your self-confidence. 